What's good, everybody? Happy Friday. It's your boy Dexter Henry back here with the NBA Exchange. Been a long week. A lot of good basketball we've had to talk about. Had a good time watching. A lot going on in the league. Steph Curry is injured. He's going to be out for a while. Maxi Cleaver got an injury that could affect the Dallas Mavericks. Teams in New York here are playing pretty good. Knicks have won five in a row. They're the hottest team in the league right now. We'll see if that lasts tonight going into Chicago. But we're going to bounce around the NBA today. And I'm really glad about my guest that's on with me today. First time on here, good friend of mine. We just had dinner last week. Was my former coworker uh, with SNY, but he's now moved on to bigger and better things, which we love to promote there. That is my guy, Chris Williamson. Chris, what's, what's good, good with you, Dad? What's good with you, baby? Hey, yo, <laughs> this is amazing. You know, it's about time, you know, brought, brought me out here. You know, we've been... I know for a minute, and I know, I, man. We've been talking about it for a minute, and we was like, I was like, man, we got to get Chris on and talk some hoops because you're a big hoops fan too. So I got, I got it. I had to get you on to do it. How you doing, man? How's it going today? Really? I'm doing, doing great, man. Anytime I get to talk and sit with you, oh, it man. is an honor. So I'm, I'm oh, living man. the dream, bro. We try and be like you. Look, man. I'm listen like you, man. I'm just one day at a time. You know what I'm saying? Just one day at a time. That, that that's all I'm doing. Um, I'm glad you're well. I'm really glad that you got to be on here. But every time somebody comes on here for the first time, no matter what, any of my fellow journalist friends, anytime they come on, I gotta ask you. You know, have them tell the people about their career, their journey through sports journalism, because you know, Chris, it's a journey. <laughs> it's a journey. So let let the people know, you know, about your journey, your trajectory. Towards, towards sports journalism. Oh, and I forgot to let the people know because we'll talk about this next. Chris is now doing a lot of dope things with Amazon Sports. Check him out there. Um, so definitely do that. But Chris, I'm going to leave the floor to you. Tell the people about your career in sports journey, sports, sports journalism, excuse me, your journey and where you're at now. Yeah, so um, yeah, first off, yeah, just very happy to be here. Um, again, it's uh, really a privilege, you know, because you, you produce a lot of great work. But to get into my career journey, so just to give the Sparks Notes version, uh, because, you know, I could write a whole book about my journey and sure you could as well. So I got into this business first because of my failed NBA dream. I was working out or trying out for the JV team my sophomore year high school, St. John's College High School, and I got cut. At that point, I had put, poured all my resources, all my parents' resources, my energy and time into becoming a professional basketball player. But when you get cut from your JV team as a sophomore, that means you're probably not going to have a future with basketball whatsoever. So I said, I might as well stay connected to it. And how do I stay connected? Well, I talk about it. I can write about it. So I got full go, full stop into journalism, writing feature articles, game recaps uh, for a high school sports website. Then I went to Syracuse where they had a great uh, communications program, Newhouse. And that kind of set the foundation. And then I traveled to Wisconsin for my first TV job as a weekend sports anchor where I got to cover, you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and the Wisconsin Badgers, you know, their run to the Final Four, even to the national championship in L.A. And I was able to be there, you know, as somebody who was relatively inexperienced from um, from a TV lens because I just gotten this job right out of school, essentially. Um, and then after two years of that, I went to WSA 9 where I was a part time freelancer and working to produce human interest stories where I tied in sports and other elements uh, that non-sports fans could gravitate towards. Did that and just finished up four years at SNY where I was an anchor, reporter, host, uh, nominated for an Emmy, 
uh, produced some some really dope material in, in my eyes and made people laugh and and happy. So and now I'm here where I'm doing some Amazon work with them. Uh, they got this new startup uh, television uh, well production company where yeah they're doing live sports television. You know, twelve hours a day uh, from eight to eight, and it's uh, it's incredible because it's a new new challenge for me and takes me out of my comfort zone. Uh, as well. And that's, that's how you grow. So that's a short version, bro. Yeah. 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 No, listen, I mean, you, you've done a lot in, in moving in your career as you could. And, um, you know, we've talked about this many times personally, but you know, I'm, I'm very proud of what you've accomplished and what you've done. Um, and if you, if you people, if you don't follow Chris Winston, which you should you've seen his name come up here, uh, Chris, Chris is very active on the tweets and, uh, he is very active for us, as I am too, when speaking out for a lot of social injustice and things that actually time to sports, you know, because people want to separate sometimes the sports and the politics and they're all interconnected. Um, but, you know, you do such a great job with that. What's it been like for you, you know, with, with the new venture with Amazon Sports? Because as you just said, it's, it is something new, right? It, it is a new venture. It's digital. We're seeing how Things are changing away from linear TV. Even this, even this programming I do and a lot of content that I create is not in that space. What's it like working on that side? You said it was challenging. How, how is it challenging you and how are you enjoying the challenge? Well, it's challenging because I am not a guy who is used to or was not used to, you know, unscripted content. You know, prior to arriving at SNY, everything that I did was mostly, you know, by the script. You know, you write the script. Your VO, you're on cameras, and then that's it. You do the highlights, you have your shot sheet. And so this is like a super extension of SNY where we had roundtable discussions and uh, conversations where you needed to think on your feet. Here, everything is unscripted. So that's one way it's challenging. And you have to figure out how you fit into you know a show when you're not one of the main hosts. So you want to get your ideas in. But you also don't want to step on anybody's toes um, for fear of trying to act like, you know, I'm the boss or, you know, I run things. And the other thing that I really like about the show is how they're trying out so many different segments and ideas, seeing what sticks and what doesn't work. Because at the end of the day, this is something that is going to be the anti or it already is the anti uh, first take and undisputed where. You don't want to be arguing and just shouting, spewing nonsense and screaming, you know, screaming over each other. It's about having positive, lighthearted and meaningful conversations about not just the the American sports that we're so used to basketball, football, uh, baseball, soccer, but the global sports. We're talking cricket. We're talking pickleball. We're talking tech ball. So many things. Uh, tennis where you want to have a wider um, a wider range, right? Or wider reach, I should say. So those are some of the things that I've learned to, you know, appreciate and understand from, from working there uh, for a little bit now. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what happens uh, going forward, but it is a challenge and you have to be thinking on your feet, always having something, you know, to say so that there's no, there's no dead air or there's no, you know, right. awkward, awkward moments. Yeah, no, nah, man, like doing doing unscripted stuff. I was telling you this before, too. It, it it helps you so much as a journalist, as an on-air anchor, presenter, talent, like just doing it so much. You know, once you, you get those, those reps with it, it just makes you better. It makes you better interviewing, communication, everything. Like, 
Yeah, I, I, I can say how much doing this show, which is completely unscripted, right. uh, has helped me a, a, a ton. Okay, not that we didn't like talking about Chris's career, because we do, but yeah. let's, uh, let's move on to the NBA. This is what we're here for. Um, who, what teams have really caught your eye? Who's been the most impressive teams for you in the NBA this year? Um, it doesn't have to be the favorites at the top. Maybe somebody, the way they played, you think they're dangerous. Which teams have been impressing you thus far this year, Chris? Honestly, Dexter, for me, the so the Celtics are one team that's really impressed me, not because they're having success, but more so because they're having success with a, a new coach. Yes, he was on the bench last year with Ime Udoka before he got suspended, but that is not an easy transition, uh, a circumstance to overcome when, like, literally – Days or weeks before the season's supposed to start, you find out you're not going to have the head coach that led you guys to the NBA Finals. So the fact that they're playing at such a high level where you have Tatum and Brown, they're in sync. Sam Hauser, you know, has been a bright spot uh, with Robert Williams, you know, out with that injury, uh, shooting from three. The amount of three-point shooters that they have or who can knock down, like back-breaking threes, is one of their biggest strengths. And defensively, uh, they are one of the top teams. NBA with NBA, NBA uh, with their with their backcourt or their frontcourt, I should say, um, and Tatum and Brown have you know gotten better as defenders. But really, it's the Pelicans because they have done this. Ah. They have become one of the best teams in the NBA, and there are filled. They are filled with essentially a bunch of young guys and a few veterans, and they're taking down the top teams in the NBA. We're talking about the Suns. Okay, they punk them time after time, uh, you know, Zion Williams and all that. And, again, that was without Brandon Ingram. You didn't have Brandon Ingram in that game. Now, the Suns didn't have, you know, Devin Booker. Uh, but still, like, this Pelicans team is for real. And the fact that they've come out so strong has definitely raised my eyes. I knew they would be good, but I didn't expect them to be this good, especially given uh, the injuries that they've dealt with with Zion and, and Brandon Ingram. So let me ask you this, because we were talking about this. We talked about the Pelicans on Wednesday on the show with my man, Gerard Hector. And how good do you think this Pelicans team will be? I'm going to ask you what I, what the same thing I asked him. It's how good do you think it will be? Because everybody seems to be on the train. They're really impressed. Now, I know the Pelicans, they lost two games in a row. They just lost yeah. back-to-back games to Utah. Yeah. Um, and again, I still think the point you make is very important, that they've done a lot of this without Zion Williamson. Um, how good do you think it could be? My man Brian Fonseca is out here saying they can go to the Western Conference Finals. What, what do you say to that? So I spoke to Jose Alvarado earlier this year, and I asked him what his expectations were for this team. He said, you know, everything works together, everything comes together, and we're clicking. Yo, uh, definitely past the first round, you know, I can see Western Conference Finals. And he kind of, you know, tapered off that a little bit because he didn't want to get caught into, you know, some clickbait thing or whatever. But I could see in his eyes – how much he believed in this team. And for me, I don't think that's a ridiculous um, expectation for this team. And I see uh, Greg is commenting that the Pelicans stay healthy. Yep. They can be dangerous. They Again, they have been able to do this without the services of Zion for some time and then also Brandon Ingram. When they have all those pieces together, and I know they have to work to, to figure out how to share the ball a little bit more and become more facilitators, I don't see why not. I don't see why not they why they can't make it to the Western Conference Finals. Like they've shown they're capable of beating the Suns, whether they've got all their players or not. Um, 
I think they can hang with the Grizzlies. You know, the Warriors, we know they're going to be there, even though they're, uh, I don't know if they're above 500 or below 500, but they're not playing at the peak level that we're used to seeing them. But they will be a playoff contender uh, just because of the championship pedigree. Uh, but I do believe that they can advance the Western Conference Finals. I think that is where their their run might end, but I don't see why not. I don't see why they can't uh, advance and make. All a right, you're on. You're on the Pelicans hype train, okay? And and Greg, what's up, Greg? Thanks for che- thanks for checking in. Uh, that is Gregory Alcala, who did a lot of producing for this show, um, but always checks in uh, with us. We appreciate that. Um, where are you with the Knicks and the Nets? Because something I'm going to be talking about a little bit tomorrow with the New York Post and SOI in a little new segment that we're going to do. But, like, where are you with those teams in, in New York? Like, you know, being here in New York, what do you think of those teams? The Knicks are fun to watch sometimes. You know, Jalen Brunson. Sometimes. Has, <laughs> no, sometimes for real. You know, sometimes they're fun to watch. Like the game against, you know, the Bulls the other night. Right where they they win in overtime, I think it's one twenty eight, one twenty. You know, Jalen Brunson is handing out reparations to uh, to Alex Caruso, <laughs> you know, on the floor to to end the game. Uh, and and then you have Julius Randle who can go off sometimes, where he's shooting like six of twelve from three point range, and in some of these games, I expect them to. I I just want them to continue to play the young guys and develop them because they are not going to. They're going to be a playing team. That is their ceiling. And Julius Randle, as great as he can be, sometimes offensively, we don't see the consistency with him that we saw when he won most improved NBA player of the year. And that hurts. RJ Barrett, you know, hasn't come out come out well uh, with his with his shooting and offensive skills. The Nets, hey, Yuta Watanabe. That guy is a killer. I know he had some some struggles uh not too uh long ago. But, yeah, everybody remember when uh, Anthony Edwards banged on him. That that's what he yeah, was known for. Yeah, but now right. he's balling. He's out here balling. Yeah, he, he. Everybody now people don't now people don't remember that. Now they remember you know him going off or being one of the top three point shooters in the league. And of course, KD is playing at an MVP level. The guy pours his heart into basketball, and he's one of the most unguardable players we have ever seen. It's it's amazing what he's doing. At, you know at uh, at his age, you know, in his in his thirties, and they, I think they, I don't know, exact numbers are right, but eight and two or ten and two, you know, the last ten games, so they've eight quietly, two. you know, ascended to becoming a legit contender. And Ben Simmons has looked better, uh, more aggressive in some games where he's not as timid. So I think he's coming back to full strength. Kyrie, Kyrie is Kai, so we don't uh, need to address that talking <laughs> point too much. Uh, sometimes he has his lapses, but this is this this could be a team that will compete in the Eastern Conference. I just don't know about their defense. Again, that's their that's been their Achilles' heel. You know, the last uh, couple of years or so, they don't have a lot of big men in the uh, in the post who are bangers. They got Nick Claxton and um, Sharp and all that, but you know, you throw in Edwards, but those guys are not like the Giannis's or the DeAndre Aydens or Jokic or. Um, yeah, there are just so many other Joel Embiid. So that's yeah. how I feel about the Knicks and, and the Nets. Uh, I, I just I don't understand what's going on with Cam Reddish, right? That whole oh idea. man. Well, that's well, that's a big topic among the the Knicks hive. You know, um, where he's look. I can say this. I've said this on other other things I've been on. You know, 
Tibbs is not a big fan of him. This has been kind of known. Um, it's kind of clear now. The kid played well. I don't know what the Knicks are going to do. Where I where I agree with you on the Knicks, I know there's probably some Knicks fans listening, watching to this. I think they do need to probably consolidate this roster. I think their ceiling is what there is. I'm I'm in on that because consolidate the roster and get the young guys to play. Just go in all, all in on the young guys. Um, be all the way in. That means you might have to see if you can move off of Fournier. Can you move off of Julius Randle? I think Fournier might not happen until the offseason. Julius Randle might be a little easier right now, especially his value is high. I would try to do that. I don't think it's a bad thing. And looking at how the, the young guys are playing defense, it's really not that bad. I'm also with you on the Nets. Uh, they're starting to play better, but I have concerns about their defense, particularly inside. You brought up a great point. Who's guarding Embiid if they face him in the playoffs? Who can go against Giannis and Brooke Lopez if they play him? And then you have yeah. Robert Williams. He's also a problem. He comes back, uh, supposed to come back tonight. So right. those guys could be problems for them. Um, so we spoke about those teams, but are there any teams right now you're looking at and you're saying, man, these teams look fraudulent? I do not believe in them. We don't believe you. We need more people. Any teams out here that you're just like, nah, I don't know. I don't know about this team right here. Who, who are those teams? Uh, I don't. You know what? Uh, and they get, you know, dragged so many times, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, the Lakers, I know their their record suggests that they are a subpar team, which they are. Uh, but they've had moments where you have AD and Braun going off. They're playing like MVP candidates, specifically Anthony Davis. But I don't believe in them, even though they're, you know, hanging in uh, close games with great opponents like the Celtics in them. They don't have enough shooters, right? They they don't have enough shooters around Russ, AD, and Braun. So that will limit your chances of succeeding in a league where it is emphasized, shooting is emphasized, and it is the most important. It's not, you know, back to the basket type of bully ball that we were used to seeing in the 2000s uh, with Shaq and all them. That's a fraudulent team, not so much because of the the players, but more so in the front office. I don't believe in them because I know they're not going to do anything at the trade deadline. And the other team that I'm not a fan of or I don't believe in, the Phoenix Suns. Okay? The Phoenix yeah. Suns, great regular season team, amazing. But we saw what happened against the Pelicans, not just after Zion went for the 360 dunk in garbage time and everybody wanted smoke with all the Pelicans players except for the guy who made the dunk. So that is the telling sign <laughs> yes. really about that business. <laughs> yes. Everybody, you went up to Jose Alvarado. You went up to all these other players. JB, you know what I'm saying? Um, TJ McCollum. But the guy who unleashed the 360 dunk. Nobody said nothing to him. Yeah. And this is, again, the, this is the reason, though, why I think they're fraudulent. You respond from that game by getting beat in overtime against the, against the Pelicans. Yeah, I think it was in overtime. Yep. That that tells me, yeah, y'all, y'all cool in the regular season, but when it comes time for showtime, uh, you're gonna be sitting home just like the rest of us. Because, bro, I don't care if Devin Booker wasn't in the game. I had somebody on Twitter say that like Devin Booker wasn't in, you know, they weren't playing a full strength. I'm like, the Pelicans don't have probably their second best player. Yeah, um, he was one. Yeah. So give me a break. Like shut shut that noise up. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't believe in the Suns. So here, yeah, so here's my thing with the Suns too, Chris. I'm glad you put them up because I was out on them 
Look, I'll tell you when I was out on I was out on them when we saw what we saw the Pelicans do to them in the playoffs last year. And everybody, I'm a CP3 fan. I love CP3. But in that series, he looked old. And I love CP3. You saw how they tried to punk him last year in the playoffs. Then what happened in that game seven against Dallas, you don't have a game like that's a hard game for a team to come back from, okay? Then we heard about all the drama. We still don't know that on this with Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton. Yep. And DeAndre Ayton signed the offer sheet with Indiana and Phoenix matches it. And who knows? And then Jay Crowder leaves and he's still not traded. There's a lot going on with that team, bro. A lot going on. And I don't believe him. And the Pelicans are looking at them like, what y'all going to do? Right? Yeah. Like yeah, the Pelicans, they, they are not scared of the Suns at all. They are not scared of them at all. I don't believe – I'm with you. The Suns are a nice regular season team. I don't care if they get healthy. The way they're constructed, I still think there's something wrong there. And I'm not sure they're going to be able to bounce back from what happened last year in Game 7 to Dallas. I'll tell you who else isn't scared of them when they see them in the playoffs. Dallas. <laughs> and Dallas, I haven't I haven't liked how Dallas looks. I don't I don't really believe in them. I believe in Luka. I don't believe yeah, in them. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know Everybody what I'm saying? I believe in Luka. I don't believe in them. So – no, I think this. I think the Suns are kind of fraudulent. Like it wouldn't shock me if the Suns had close to fifty wins, but uh, had a first round exit. Wouldn't shock yeah. me at all whatsoever. For real, I would yeah. not not expect that. Wouldn't um, shock me at all. All right, so this other topic. Something I want to talk to you about because one of my producers at the Post, uh, shout out to Ryan Sampson. He had brought this up to me, and we were having this conversation, and. There should be a, a little short that I have coming out on this today where people will hear more about how I feel about this. But I'm wondering if the NBA has a problem with load management because it's funny. And to let the people know, Chris and I, we were out to dinner on, what was that, Saturday? Last Saturday, Chris and I, yeah. was, we, were out, we were out for dinner. And the spot we were at, they had the Nets game on. And the Nets, the Nets are playing the Pacers, and eight Nets players are not playing. And the Nets won the game. No KD, yeah. no Kyrie. They don't play. Nets win the game. On this was Thursday, yesterday. It comes out the NBA fines the Nets twenty five thousand dollars for failing to properly inform them of injuries. Now look, Chris, we know all them dudes weren't banged up and they could play. The reason they didn't play is because no disrespect, it was Indiana. Like it was Indiana and whatever. And I'm intrigued to hear what you think about this. There is a problem because I can't say this. People pay money. Some kid in Indiana is a KD or Kyrie fan, and he's coming out. He wants to see him. The Nets come here twice for the year or whatever. He wants to come and see him play. Tickets cost a lot of money. Let's not act like it's cheap. They cost some, they cost some bread. And that kid doesn't get to see him. It's disappointing. It sucks for that fan. Players are trying to – and teams are trying to protect the players for putting all this wear and tear on their body. Some people will say, oh, I don't like this in the NBA. The players aren't playing. They don't want to play. Blah, 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 blah. I get that. And you want to come and see the product. My solution to this is simple, Chris. It's time for us to shorten the season. Play too many games. 82 games is too many games. Time to shorten the season, right? Get it down to 66 games. Now, here's here's where people are going to push back, especially, you know, when it comes to the black athletes. Oh, but those players are going to want the same amount of money. Yeah, they should get the same amount of money. Yeah, yeah, they should get the same amount of money because those games are going to be more valuable, right? The less games you have, the better the quality of the product will be, the more valuable those games will be. So I ask you this. 
Do you think the NBA has a problem with load management? Um, and what do you think the solution is? Are you on the cut the season down or do you think there's another solution to this? Yeah, I think people don't get, you know, people don't pay all this money, you know, $200, $300 to see, um, and no disrespect for them, but to see, you know, the Nicholas Claxons of the world or the the Cam Thomases um, and the uh, the Patty Mills, right? Just just them. And those are NBA players, right? They're really good. So not saying they're awful, but they don't have that star power. People want to see Katie, Kyrie, Giannis, Luca, Steph, LeBron. Uh, there's so many, Jokic, Jamal Murray. They want to see those guys. So to answer your question, I do think they have a problem. And it's not so much, because remember, load management, if I remember correctly, is something that was started by the teams and maybe specifically Rick Popovich uh, with Kawhi Leonard and all them, which is great, right? You have more resources and more technology that's out, more information, I should say, so you understand how players' bodies uh, need uh, rest. But... Yeah, you got to shorten the season because I want to see the best of the best. I don't want to see the lower tier of the NBA, which is still really good. But I don't want I don't want to just see that. I want to see the superstars playing against each other. So how do you do that? The solution: you shorten the season, like you said, maybe sixty-six games, maybe seventy-two. Right? If you can eliminate back-to-backs, that will help. Yes, improve the quality of play. And the freshness of these stars' legs, if you're able, if you do that, and I think everybody wins. The players should be getting the same amount of money, although I'm sure you know owners and the TV deals that could get a little, um, a little hairy. But they they should be getting the same amount of money. The fans get to see their favorite players every single night, um, and the games are more valuable, as, as you said. So, yeah. I think that- yeah, I, I mean, to cut you off there, I, I, I think the games do become more valuable. I was talking about this with my producer the other day, and he's like, oh, you know, well, you know, his point was sort of like, he was saying the point of not making the point for, but he was like, the owners are going to, what you said, the owners are going to not want to pay these guys the same amount. Now, I will say I do think there's a problem, not necessarily with the load management, but more of when you have what's going on, what's went on with Ben Simmons, which was very complicated, right? Because that's where you're getting into mental health, and that's really tough. I get that owners or governors are not going to want to pay players who are not playing a large amount of games. And maybe in this next CBA negotiations, they they might say, okay, there has to be this minimum for you to reach this amount of money or whatever. And I'm fine with that. That's cool. Because I'm fine with you getting paid for performing, right? Like that, like that's cool. Um, But I don't believe in the notion that because you reduce the amount of games that the TV deal number is going to go down because I actually disagree with that. I think it actually can stay the same or go, go up. The NFL has a very small amount of games, right? And granted, I understand it's once a week, but the reason it's so valuable is because it is less because it is once a week, right? Also, if you have less games, you know what you're going to have to do to those ticket prices. That's going to go up too. Now that's not great for the fan, but that's what's going to happen, right? Because games become more of a premium. They're more valuable because yeah. of the scarcity of them. By demand, so, yeah. 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 I don't know if you agree. Uh, Greg checks in here and he says this generation of NBA players don't really don't really like basketball. You know, I, I don't think so. I think the players yeah. like basketball. I think they like basketball, but I do think there is some – there is a conversation to be had about how this generation of NBA players uh, see basketball in terms of – Okay, this is my job. 
I'm really good at it. I perform and then I go home. Whereas some other people, basketball is life where they love it. Like that is their purpose on life is to play ball and they will do anything, you know, to reach the highest uh, level of accomplishment. Um, but yeah, they say they don't like basketball. Nah, bro, you, you have to, you got to be pretty locked there. If they don't like basketball and they are doing things like this or they're playing, you know, at such a high level, even if they take games off, um, that shows, you know, how committed they are to the bag, right? Um, somebody's saying I blame Kim for Chris's downfall. Uh, I don't know who that is, but I, yeah. Neither do I. I don't understand. I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. I don't know who that is. But thanks yeah, for watching, it, though. <laughs> yeah, thanks for watching. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I see it, bro. Uh, I, I Some people, it is just a job. Right. And I think some people, we forget that sometimes because of the narrative or the 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 narrative around professional sports players um, loving the game where it should be the only thing that matters in their life. I think that's what sometimes fans, they, they trip up on is, well, this is supposed to be all you care about. It's like, you know, all you care about is your job. What about right. your family? What about your, your friends? So that that's where I'm on. On that, I, I wouldn't say they don't like basketball, but I don't think everybody's in it to to win championships, and that's fine. Right, right, and, that, and like you said, that goes in any profession, right? Like that, everybody's not in it for the same. Everybody's not chasing the same level of greatness. What's great for somebody might be different for somebody else. Like it's yeah. not everybody's not on the same wavelength for that. And I'm with you. That that is fine. Like we need to accept that as truth because that exists in other professions for sure. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I see what they were talking about. Uh, they were talking about Chris Paul. About Chris Paul. Yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, sorry, uh, I'll be who came in here. I thought you were talking about Chris. <laughs> uh, well, now it makes sense why you said I blame Kim, but we, I don't know if we want to get into that. Uh, <laughs> you know what he's talking about, right? Or they yeah, talking? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Okay. I know. I know what he's. I know what he's talking yeah. about. Uh, listen. Uh, let Let's just say there's a track record by a certain family for affecting NBA players. I'll say that. I will leave it there. You can, you can theorize whatever, whatever you want with it. Um, so that's good. I got to also talk to you about this, Chris, because you are one of the people I know who've been a huge, huge WNBA fan. And we don't talk a, a lot of WNBA on the show, but we have from time to time. And I'm a big fan of the WNBA, and I think they just came off of a fantastic season. And I always love when I get to talk to a lot of people who are around the game to do such great work around the game. Shout out to Eric Ayala, Christina Williams, uh, people like them who do fantastic work that I love. Um, but you're somebody that really champions the sport and has been an advocate for it uh, everywhere. What do you love about the growth of this league? Because I think the growth of the league is good. I, somebody came at me, I think it was on Facebook, early this year, and they were like, oh, I did some segment on w, WNBA. They're like, oh, WNBA, it's not growing. Which I had to hit them with facts and the numbers and show them that it actually is. And the growth has actually been tremendous, particularly in the last five years. What do you like about where this league is going? And what do you think the future of the league is? And, and do we need more support? I would love you to talk about this. We need more men to support it. That's something I keep saying. We need more men to support the league. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, we, we need more men. We need more more women. Um, we need, but we'll focus on, on men 
So here's my thing. I think the growth of the league has been amazing in terms of the viewership and the the advertising dollars that are being poured in. Still not enough. It's not satisfactory in my eyes because the WNBA has been set up for failure in some ways because you have these large companies that do not invest in women's sports, even though the product is hella good. Like they are so much more skilled than the NBA players because they can't rely uh, on their athleticism uh, as much as, you know, some of these players can. So they, they play a much more fundamentally sound basketball, but I do love shutting up the haters and confirming the believers when it comes to, Hey, if you put a great product on a national platform, people will watch, people will come. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but the numbers back that up. Like, yo, you put uh, South Carolina, UConn, ABC on Sunday, you're going to get a, a great turnout. You put UConn, Maryland on, you're going to get a great turnout. Iowa, um, you know, Stanford, put that on, you will get a really good um you will get a great audience, a lot of viewers. So in that sense, I love how when people, you know, show who they are in terms of being advocates for the WNBA and putting their money where their mouth is, the, the, the options are limitless. Now, where the future of the league, I think if, you know, the commissioner, if they get their act together, because I think they were supposed to have one expansion team that would be announced uh, this year. That's no longer going to happen. I do think they need to to pick that up because you want more cities and more areas where there is a a need for basketball, pro basketball. Uh, it just makes for a, a better product because then you're tapping into different cities and the revenue and uh, all those great things that you know have to do with that particular city. And I hope that they bring back the comets and you know the the monarchs. Yes. Yes. You know, even the Charlotte Charlotte Sting, uh, shout out Don Staley, who, you know, balled balled there for a, a quite a while while she was also coaching at Temple, which was a hell of a job. So yeah, that that's my stance on how it's grown, even though I'm not satisfied, and how and where I think it could go. My where I want it to go is you have mainstream deals. Players get paid um, 50% of the revenue that mm. they split between the uh, the owners and the governors, whatever you want to call them. And they're able to get player sales uh, money. Like right now, the players do not receive any percentage of a jersey sale in their name. That's got to change. Definitely yep. can't have that anymore. Um, so, yeah, that's where that's where I stand right now. Yeah, I think the growth of the league is good. I'm I'm very interested as to where they will expand. Will they bring back uh, the sport in some markets like Houston? I would love to see the Comets come back. I heard Monica, Monica McNutt talking on the broadcast the other night about her favorite jersey of all time was Cheryl Swoop's Comet jersey. Yeah, And I was like, man, that's so dope. She was talking about seeing her and being inspired, and, and that was dope. I'd like to see um, them back in certain markets. There's always a talk that, oh, can they survive in bigger markets? And yeah, I believe if you put a team in Houston again, it'll be it'll be fine. Um, the, the NBA is good, great growth. There's a lot of great women's talent out there um, that we're seeing from women's college basketball going to the pro ranks. And listen, if you're not watching the WNBA, I'm here to say this with Chris. If you're out here not watching WNBA, 
look, man, you're missing out. This that, this this year's playoffs were crazy. The season was crazy. Yeah. Asia Wilson is dope. She's my favorite player. She's dope. And look, if you like, listen, if you like bas- good basketball, you're gonna like good basketball. That's, That's what I'm gonna argue. Yo, yeah. Hoopers, real hoopers, people who are about ballers life. If you don't have any misogyny in you and you don't have any sexism in you, um, you should like the game. If you don't, then we probably know why you're not why you're not watching. Because you've been conditioned to expect certain things, dunks and all these high flying plays. That ain't it, bro. Now the women are evolving. Right. Where there are more people dunking um in practice and also in games because they're now allowed to play like women weren't allowed to do a lot of things men were able to do uh, back in the day. So they are starting um, at a point that is much further behind uh, men. So, of course, they're not going to be as uh, evolved as NBA players. And I see, um, yeah, uh, Greg said they needed a one-and-done rule. Um, no one wants to wait four years to watch Paige Beckers or AZ Fudd. And my thing is, yeah, that would be great, but you're – What's the issue with that is there are not enough roster spots. There are not enough roster spots. You got right, which is which is where expansion comes, which expansion comes in to exactly. sort of help with that. Right. You know, um, expansion would help with that. And also, bro, you making you making more probably in college with NIL now than you're gonna make um in the WNBA, depending on you know who you are. Like right. Paige Beckers, she probably is probably is making more, uh, you know, cumulatively probably during her years at UConn than in some cases in the WNBA, you know, depending on what that, uh, what that salary is for, for the rookies. Uh, but yeah, if you're a fan of basketball, you enjoy WNBA. Like they're incredibly skilled and so smart. And yes, there are times where they look out of sorts and missing layups, but that happens in the college game that happens in the NBA game as yep. well. Where it looks like yep. we're we're at twenty four hour fitness or LA fitness, so miss me with that too. Nah, I'm with you on that, man. If you love the game, you like it. If you don't, I'm not. You know, chances are, like Chris said, uh, we probably know why. We probably know right. why. We probably we, know why. We keep on moving though. Like we're not worried about. Okay, you got. Yeah, you're not. You're not going to reach that person. Sometimes you no. just have to be like, it is what it is. The people it who are on the fence are the ones who are really important because sometimes those people have the the resources to invest uh, in the companies or in the teams and be about change and not just, oh, let me wear a jersey to the game and let me, you know, get spotlighted on uh, on camera. No, it's, oh, yeah, I want to pour in X amount of dollars to, you know, the Las Vegas Aces or the Chicago Sky. Great. I want to help out with this partnership. Wonderful. Um, so, yeah, th- things are going to um, – Things are going to continue to progress in, in my eyes uh, if they uh, if the league understands, you know, who their their demographic is and uh, the hardcore fans. Yeah. And I think um, I went to a Liberty game towards the end of the season. I took my daughter um, and it was, you know, it was her first Liberty game and she loved it. It's a wonderful experience. So, you know, I encourage people. And one thing I was happy to see, this is something I've said to other people, I was very happy to see how many families were there. You know, if you think back to the early parts of the NBAs, it was a lot of just, you know, a lot of just women that were there. But now you're seeing there was fathers like me taking their daughters and their sons. That was another good thing I saw too. Wasn't just daughters. 
they also were taking their sons. You saw families do, doing that, just coming together. And that was really beautiful for me to see. Um, so, you know, I like where the league is going and I'm, I'm here. I'm here to support their growth. I know Chris is too. All right. Last thing on the NBA before we get Chris out of here. Uh, that is Chris Williamson, not Chris Paul. Right. Um, Chris, who? what's your NBA title predictions? Right now, it's early. We're just a little bit more than a quarter through the season. Who do you have in the finals? Who do you see winning it all? Let's go. What, what you got? What you got? Oh, uh, Lord. This is, it's so funny you asked this because I don't know if there was a tweet or something. I was like, this is the one year where it's probably the hardest to evaluate teams who are like 13, 11, and then 11, 13, because most of the teams are not playing at a consistent level, you know, outside of the, the Celtics and, and the Bucks, they started out really great. Um, you know, even, uh, even the Suns, they started out uh, better than most people, but to give you an answer, I'm, 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 I got Milwaukee right with my boy Giannis, I think with Middleton back and the, you know, addition of Brooke Lopez being healthy for a full season. Uh, you know, hopefully that stays the course. They are going to be in the finals. They will take down the Celtics this time. Went to seven without Middleton. They will win Eastern Conference. And in the West, which is a little bit dicey because you can go so many different ways. I'm going to say the you know what? Screw it. I will say the Grizzlies. Okay. I would say the Grizzlies. That that is. Um, I thought you were going to say the Pelicans for a second. I thought you might have been uh, yeah, going all the way to yeah, Pelicans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. But I, I can't, I can't put them in the uh, the NBA Finals this year. I think next year maybe it could could happen. Still a lot of season left. But I got the Grizzlies. You saw what they did against the Bucks last night with Giannis. You know, with everybody. I think they had no Drew Holiday. They had no Drew, no Drew Holiday. Holiday. Okay, they had no Drew, Drew Holiday. They still had Giannis. They still got Chris, um, Portis, and all them. Brooke, and they got shellacked. I think the Grizzlies could be. Don't be. Don't be surprised if you see the Grizzlies in the NBA Finals. My next choice would be the Warriors, even though they have been so inconsistent, terrible on the road. Yep, you can't count them out. You cannot I, count them out. I like your Grizzlies pick because I was texting with somebody this morning and I said. Yo, Grizzlies might be the best team in the West. Like, people just are kind of sleeping yeah. on them. Cause, but I was like, the Grizzlies are the best team in the West. They're playing good defense. They got tripped back. They don't even have Bane right now. Right. <laughs> they didn't have Bane last night. So, when they get him back, I said, keep your eye on the Grizzlies, man. We're going to talk some more Grizzlies basketball on here in the next couple of weeks. I like that pick, man. Grizzlies, Bucks, I'm here for that. I will. So, if they play each other, who, who's taking? You got the Bucks taking the whole thing? If you got Grizzlies, Bucks, you're going with Bucks in that one. Uh, it's a tough yes. one, man. Yes, I, I'm going with the Bucks. That is what my heart is telling me. My gut says the Grizzlies, but my heart says the Bucks. I think, you know, Giannis is on a mission, you know, to get back to the finals after, um, you know, missing out last year, um, thanks to Boston being on a ridiculous clip and level. I do think they have the the firepower and. The defense without question, but the, they do have the firepower. Everybody's clicking on all cylinders to to win the championship and take down take down the Grizzlies. All right. I like that. I like that finals. Hope I hope we get it. Two small markets there, people, Milwaukee and Memphis. 
So yeah. there you go. Which is a lot of parody league. We talked about this on the show uh, a couple weeks ago. It's a lot of parody in the league, um, and I, I, I'm loving it right now. But that is Chris Williamson, the homie. Please check out his work with Amazon Sports. You can catch him there. You're gonna be on next next week. Gonna be on. Yeah, next next week. Monday next week. Friday will be on there. So yeah, Monday check to Friday. Out. He's gonna be on Bonjour Bonjour Sports. That's the morning show from eight yeah, to Bonjour ten. Bonjour Sports talk. Bonjour yeah. Sports on Amazon Sports. Really dope. Chris is gonna be on there. I'm gonna be watching. You guys should be watching as well too. Chris, man, thank you for coming on. First time, but this will not be the last time. For sure, I know we're going to have you back on once again to talk some NBA hoops. You already know, bro. I appreciate the time. Stay up, Any, all right? Anytime, brother. That, again, that is Chris Williamson, a uh, good friend of mine. Great job there as well. We're going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to run through really quickly because I got to get out of here. We're going to go through some uh, NBA picks for tonight on the betting side of things. So we're going to take a quick break when we come back on NBA Exchange. <laughs> Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. We're back. Boy Dexter Henry here. We're going to talk a little bit about these Friday night bets. Uh, good night of action today in, in the NBA tonight. There's a bunch of stuff, but three games I wanted to run through really quickly for you guys. Uh, first one that I have, little Atlantic Division matchup. We got the Brooklyn Nets. They go north of the border to play the Raptors in Toronto. The Nets, small favorites in this one, minus one and a half uh, spread. Uh, Toronto Raptors plus 100 if you like them there. The over-under for this one is 226.5. You heard Chris talk about this. So one thing you know with the Nets, and if you want a good bet, is I really like the over in a lot of games they play because I just still don't trust their defense. They've been better defensively. But this is an interesting stretch for the Nets, especially the next five games are against playoff opponents. Very tough. I think the Nets are very aware of this. They want to get off. The defense has been better under head coach Jacques Vaughn. I have liked that. And I think when it comes down to a game like this with the Raptors, who they actually struggle more offensively, we know they can play some good defense. Um, I'm going to go with the offensive talent, the better offensive talent that will be on the court, and that the Nets will find a way to figure this out. I think there's a lot of respect for the Raptors' defense with this spread, but I think the Nets can cover this on the road north of the border, and they know they have some tougher games coming up after this, and they want to start this stretch off of five games. Really, I think it's eight of their next 12 games actually are on the road. So they have a very tough stretch coming up. They just had a lot of good home cooking. Went 6-1 and one on a seven-game seven homestand. They want to get started off well on the road. This is a good chance for them to do that against a divisional opponent. I like the Nets to cover here. Uh, look for KD to keep up his, his great play. Anything with him and a prop over 28.5 points. I say book it. The Nets need him to score. He's got to score. Um, also look for some props or points around the role players. You heard Chris mentioned Utah Watanabe. He's been fantastic. You can find anything with him anywhere from 12 to 14 points. I might play that towards the over. He's been a really solid role player for them. 
So look for that too. But give me the Nets over the Raptors on the road. Next up, got the Pacers. They are in Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. Pacers plus 260. Pacers starting to come down to earth a little bit here uh, on the season, not getting the sort of hot start that they had uh, earlier. They're starting to play a little bit not as well as up to their standards. We talked about the loss they had last Saturday to the Nets when the Nets had all those players out and they had their players in. That was a terrible loss for them. But they played the Cavs here tonight in Cleveland, eight and a half point favorite are the Cleveland Cavaliers. And look, Cleveland's good, man. Cleveland's right on the outside of those the teams where I'm like, I don't know where I'm putting them. Do I believe in them as a contender yet? I'm not sure. But what I can tell you is that they're really good. 18 and 11. They've won six out of the last 10. They had a little bit of a tough stretch, but they're hanging near to number three in the East right now. And look, this is a home game against an opponent that I think is fading. The opposite way, the Pacers have lost six out of their last 10. Okay. So I know they've won their last game, but they've lost six out of their last 10 games. Is if one game over 515 and 14, but not playing as strongly as they did a couple of weeks ago? I think Cleveland takes care of business here. This is right around where I like this spread for them. Eight and a half might be a little bit too high for some of you. I wouldn't be mad if you wanted to play this down to six and a half in an alternate spread. Also, what do I always say? When you think the spread is too high, but you really like one team and you think they should do it, maybe look at that first half cover. Probably can get a first half cover around five and a half. I would like that too. That would probably be my best play in this. As far as the over-under, uh, this is a stay away from me. I could see it being a little bit tighter uh, in this game or the Pacers putting up a bunch of points late and going over that 222 and a half, but I'd probably stay away from that. Give me the Cavs. I'd look at the first half cover, or if you really like that eight and a half for them to cover the spread, I think that's really good. One thing I would like in this matchup in terms of a player prop, I would look at Jared Allen. Anything with him to get a double-double, that's good. Also look at his total points uh, combined and rebounds. I actually checked this out right before we came on. It was at 26 and a half. I like that number for him. This guy is basically a walking double-double. He should be able to rebound well against the Pacers, who outside of Miles Turner, who will stretch you a lot from the floor, you'll probably have a lot of Evan Mobley on him. I think Allen's still able to get a good amount of rebounds and should score anywhere between 11 to 15 points on the night. So I like that for him to go over that 26 and a half for points and rebounds. Look for Jared Allen with that as well. And then my last game of the night, we got the Portland Trailblazers there down in Dallas to take on the Mavericks and Blazers. Plus 146 on the money line here, folks. Mavericks minus three and a half favorites over under. It's the same as the last game, 222 and a half. Now, the Mavericks, we talked about this early in the week with the homie Lauren Dunn. Do not like everything I've seen from the Mavericks. And the Mavericks got bad news. Maxi Kleber, torn hamstring. He's going to be out indefinitely. That is a huge blow for them right now. I don't know where Luka's getting the help here. We talked about this on Monday. And this is a game where I feel like it might be a little bit disrespectful to the Trailblazers. And I'm actually backing the Blazers on this. You can go with the plus three and a half here, or you can go with the plus 146 on the money line. I'm inclined to go with the plus three and a half, but you can get better value in the money line, obviously, because I think the Blazers, you might be not hurt if they keep it close and they lose by one or two points. You still can get a win there. I think the Blazers have played well. They're a pretty confident group. Their starting lineup is whole once again. They're now back to their starting lineup. And their starting lineup, when they all play together, the five of them, they're all healthy and they're on the court. They are nine and four this season. Trust the Blazers' starting lineup. The Mavs, they've been shaky. Not a lot of good wins. Who's going to help Luka? The Blazers right now have more balance than the Mavericks do. And I trust the Blazers more here on the road, in a big spot, to get this game. I think the Blazers 
find a way to get this. Again, if you're not really confident and don't feel froggy in terms of the money line, I'd say look at the plus three and a half, take the Blazers and the points. But I like the money line here for the Blazers. I think the Blazers win this game. I'm going with the Blazers plus 146. Pretty good value you can get there. Anytime you get something over even money, and this is a struggling Mavericks team now with some depth issues, now with no help for Luka, I like the Blazers here. So my picks, give me the Nets to cover the one and a half points north of the border against the Raptors. Also, give me the Cavs to cover that eight and a half or looking at that first half spread for them to cover anywhere from five and a half, six and a half points against the Indiana Pacers. Also, give me the Portland Trailblazers. I like them plus 146 on the money line to do that and defeat the Mavericks. If you're not really feeling good, look at that plus three and a half and take the Blazers and the points. That is it for this edition of the NBA Exchange. Once again, special thanks to my guest, the homie, Chris Williamson. Always good to talk basketball with him. He will definitely be back. If you missed this episode, go back and watch it. It's archived anywhere you watch this, whether it's YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you're watching. You can go back and listen. Also, the audio will be up and available a little bit later for everybody on all digital streaming platforms. We are on a break. We are taking a holiday break. There will be no shows next week. We will not be back until after the Christmas holiday. So considering this is the last show uh, before we have the Christmas holiday, I would like to wish everybody a happy, a healthy, and a safe holiday. Uh, Also to our Jewish brothers and sisters, a happy, healthy, and a safe Hanukkah. Also, if you celebrate Kwanzaa, a happy Kwanzaa to you as well. Really be safe out there. Enjoy the holidays. Remember, this is a great time to enjoy the time that you have with the people you love. We only get so much of that. And be mindful of everything that you have to be thankful of during the year, throughout the year, and years beyond. I'm thankful for everybody who watches the show, who contributes, who supports the show. I appreciate you very much. All the guests we have, all the people who've worked on the show, it's just a pleasure and an honor to be able to talk a lot of NBA basketball. But I'll be talking a lot of basketball still through the Blake. You can see me on SNY and the New York Post, uh, along with doing some updates for WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. I will have a busy break, but I hope to have a good one. And everybody, Merry Christmas. We may do a special episode, Christmas episode preview of the games before. So if there's anything, stay tuned and follow us at the NBA Exchange. We'll have more updates on that. and We will let you know if we do something Christmas. But if we do not, once again, everybody, have a happy, a healthy, and a safe holiday. Until next time, enjoy the basketball, be safe, and peace out.